When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 160, and we are recording on Monday, August 21st. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Kendra. How are you doing on this Mondayest of Mondays? <laughs> I am doing okay. It is extremely hot here. It's supposed to be the hottest week of the summer, and the poor corgis today... <laughs> We went out normally at two is their like break time when we go get the mail and they just melted when we got home. Like they just like looked at one of those paintings where the clock faces are melting <laughs> or everything. Like they were just not in for it. And so we, we say they get the summer chonkies, which is <laughs> when it's too hot for them to exercise a lot. So we go out at night. Like I was out at 1230 a.m. last night playing fetch with these corgis but it's never as long as it needs to be so anyway so they are just like draping themselves over the furniture and that's really all we've done today i've listened to audiobooks and a few different things but uh my stars i'm so excited for fall i bought carrots to make carrot soup i'm so excited but (laughs) it's gonna be 100 degrees this week yeah we um i think thursday is supposed to be our hottest day and where the town where i live we're farther west from Lake Michigan, like in Illinois, if you live in the Chicagoland area, or even, you know, if you live along Lake Michigan, you know, the phrase cooler by the lake. And so in that generally means there's like a five to 10 degree temperature difference. If you are like, right, you're if you're within like a mile or mile or two of Lake Michigan, we're farther. So we we don't get cooler by the lake. And it's supposed to be a high of 101 without the heat index. Like that's the high temperature oh for Thursday. And I'm like, we're no strangers to really hot weather in Chicago. But good grief. Yeah, it's not the first time this has happened by any stretch of the imagination, but it honestly has not been that hot this summer. It's been pretty moderate, like 80s. So I'm already like planning out. I'm like, okay, like, it's like my coworkers are like, does anyone want to bring in popsicles? <laughs> it's like, we're, we're just kind of like planning how the heck we're going to get through this. But then by Saturday... It's going to be like in the low 70s. So like in 48 hours, it's going to drop 30 degrees. So that's a sign that my allergies are about to go into a tailspin or get one of those <laughs> barometric pressure headaches or something like that. So we'll see. But yeah, I'm not I I appreciate warmer weather more than I used to because I'm starting to hate cold weather more <laughs> than I used to. So I while I, I really do appreciate summer yeah, I'm like, okay, we, could, we let's let's dial it back a little bit. This is getting just just a little little ridiculous. Yeah, I feel like watching, you know, my husband's cousins get drowned out by the rain in LA. Yeah, uh, yesterday and today was also interesting. So, you know, I know we, you and I both talk about the weather, but weather is getting more and more exciting. <laughs> That's um, one word for it. 
to put it mildly. So, you know, who knows? Maybe, you know, thousands of years from now, they'll find this archived audio and they'll be like, oh, what was the weather like? Oh, these people, they keep talking about it. <laughs> it, it dictates our every move. And yeah, I have my, my sister-in-law and her husband were, they actually, they were in the Grand Canyon this last weekend and they stayed an extra day before driving back to LA because of the weather. So I think every, everything was fine. I don't think they lost power, but they were supposed to drive home, I think yesterday. And they're like, mm, we're going to wait an extra day. I'm like, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> Oh, so oh and, my stars! Yeah, if any of you listeners are in the air in Southern California and that area of the West Coast, I hope everyone made it out okay. Because, yeah, apparently there was an earthquake along with the mm-hmm. hurricane, or like the hurricane caused an earthquake or something mm-hmm. like that. Stuff is nuts. <laughs> yeah, it was. I saw this thing on TikTok where they had like the Hercules segment where the three people were talking about like. What, was the fire before or after the earthquake? And, <laughs> and then they're like, no, but it was at it, it was before, but then it was after the flood or something like that. And oh my it, gosh, it was amazing. So go look it up, dear listeners, if you want some dark humor in your life. <laughs> um, but I love LA people's like fascination with rain. It just my my spouse is from the Bay Area, so we got a little bit more rain in LA. But it's so funny when we were first married, and he would just watch rain like it was this foreign, <laughs> it was like this foreign idea. So anyway, but hope everyone is okay. Deep breath. Put your books on tables or anything. Oh god. Yeah. So that's that's our exciting intro. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Let's 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 try to get through this week without any natural disasters or anything like that. <laughs> we will make an effort. We will endeavor. Yes. Well, I was just with everything just going on in general, my attention span has not been focused on the things that it should be focused on. So I haven't been doing a ton of reading these last couple of weeks. Are you in the same boat? I am currently reading for something else and also Women in Translation Month that aren't mysteries and thrillers. But the book I am currently reading is the one I'm going to talk about today that I've almost finished. I have I got so close to the end, so I don't know the final reveal of, you know, the whodunit, but... Uh, well, we wouldn't, we wouldn't tell that anyway, so... Obviously, yes. So I'm excited to talk about it. Well, before we jump in, I think you've got, you've got a quick plug for, for TBR. Yes, yes, I do. So TBR is a wonderful book recommendation service from Book Riot. And so it is it is really lovely. So the whole process is that you go to TBR or you can give this as a gift as well. So your you know giftee would go to TBR. You fill out your reader profile and you like say, talk about your dislikes. Talk about like you don't want any books where the dog dies or anything like that you don't want in the book. You talk about the books you've loved, the books you've hated, and they take your profile. They give someone who specializes in the books that you are looking to receive and you can receive recommendations only, and that is international, or you can receive the book sent to you, and that is in the U.S. only. And I really love this. I've given this as gifts so many times because oftentimes the people I love like different books than I read, so I want them to get books that they love. So I've done that. And I really love the service. I used to be a bibliologist who are the book choosers, and so I really love doing this. It was a lot of fun to pick out all the books. And so, yeah, I, I really love like finding someone. I got a lot of the Appalachian or Southern folks wanting more Southern or Appalachian literature. And uh, that was a lot of fun. So uh, we'll have a link in the show notes for you to go check it out. I can only imagine you're just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
It's really funny when I get all the Appalachian ones because people who aren't familiar, they really struggle to say Appalachia without laughing. And once you notice it, you can't like unhear it. And so I would get messages like, oh, this is your next person or whatever. Um, and I could tell the person was kind of confused sometimes. <laughs> like, okay, but they were like, this is, you know, this person loves it. We are going to give them the person that knows their stuff. And so that was really great. So I feel like Book Riot does a great job of pairing their bibliologists with people in summary. It's a lot of fun. So make sure to check it out. Yes, at mytbr.co. And of course, it'll be linked in the show notes. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick pause for our first sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by The Dial Press, publishers of The Prospects by KT Hoffman. The pressure cooker of minor league baseball leads to major chemistry in this exhilarating, sexy, and triumphant Rivals to Lovers debut romance. Gene Ionescu is the first openly trans player in professional baseball. He has nearly everything he's ever let himself dream of. That is, until Luis Estrada, Gene's former teammate and current rival, gets traded to the Beavers. Now, Gene and Louise can't manage a civil conversation off the field or a competent play on it, but in the close confines of dugout benches and roadie buses, they begrudgingly rediscover a comfortable rhythm. As the two grow closer, the tension between them turns electric and their chemistry spills past the confines of the stadium. So this is one of the first adult rom-coms published by a major publishing house centering a gay trans man by a gay trans man. It also has ADHD and anxiety representation and some joyful, heartfelt moments. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to The Dial Press, publishers of The Prospects by KT Hoffman for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publisher of the smash hit Fourth Wing. You'll only cross these blades once in a page-turning new tale of revenge strategy and so many lies. Best-selling Red Tower Books is releasing its next year's will read that will capture your imagination and keep you guessing until the end. May Corlin's Five Broken Blades tells an intricate high-stakes tale of five total strangers united in a plot that will test their strength, wits, and courage. Each has their reasons, all have secrets. But while it's easy to portray a stranger, it's not so simple to stab a friend or a lover, okay, in the back. Now these five blades must choose between vengeance and one another. Pick up five broken blades by Mae Corlin for a thrilling, adventurous tale filled with risk, romance, adventure, and oh, so many lies. The relationships in it are complex and nuanced and involve everything from friends to enemies found in biological family and lovers and more. Thanks again to Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publishers of the smash hit Fourth Wing for sponsoring this episode. All right. So if you are new to the show, welcome. I promise we don't only talk about the weather on on these shows. (laughs) If you are a longtime listener, welcome back. You probably have a very detailed idea of the weather that goes on in (laughs) Chicago and South Carolina. (laughs) So anyway, we what the show is supposed to be about, which like we mentioned at the top of the show is to talk about mysteries and thrillers and suspense and true crime and just about everything that falls under that ginormous umbrella. That can be anything from exploring all of the different subgenres that are part of the mystery and suspense larger genres. We could be talking about author read-alikes, movie adaptations, 
true crime news, award lists. I mean, the the list goes on and on. And if you've listened to the show before, you know that this is the point in the episode where we always put out a call to our lovely listeners to let us know if you have any ideas for future episodes, because we really do use these ideas to help us plan and decide what we want to talk about next. It's a great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. It's just, it's been a really great set up. We've been doing this for years now. So we we just keep it rolling. So if you have any ideas, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. We're going to have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes. We just put the call out at the beginning of the episode to get the creative juices flowing while you listen. So shoot us a line if you have an idea. And even if you don't have an idea, but you just want to say hi, that is also fantastic. We love hearing from people so much. It makes us happy. And on a similar note, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, definitely leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us. And I believe it's been, unless I've missed something huge, I feel like it's been pretty quiet in terms of news. Like we haven't had any big awards come out. There haven't been any major book announcements in the last couple of weeks. So I think let's just go ahead and... Uh, jump right into this episode, which we I know when we were talking about what do we want to do next, and we were like, let's pick something easy. We're just, you know, struggling just a little bit. Let's pick something something e- easy for for us to, to do. And so we decided to go with uh, books that have been published this year that we have meant to get to already, but haven't yet. <laughs> so an opportunity for us to hit pause and play catch up on our TBRs. So how much trouble did you have trying to narrow down your choices? Well, I kind of went with series that I wanted to catch up on. And with these two mystery series, you can start really anywhere in the series and and just like catch up pretty quickly. So that's what I went with. And because they were the ones I genuinely was most excited to read. So that's where I landed. Yeah. And I and I actually I have to say that the books that you picked were also on my list. (laughs) So this is a very unintentionally Katie-centric episode. <laughs> yeah, well, as as usual, I'm, you know, I I have not read either of the books that you have picked, um, but I am very excited to hear about both of them. Do you want to kick us off? My first pick is Exiles by Jane Harper. I read every book that Jane Harper has put out, and this is a return to the Aaron Folk series. And so the last two books... Um, that she has done. Um, One of them I think is her best book and one of them I did not like at all. So I feel like I was really nervous about this one because I really loved Aaron Folk, the series. And so this one is Exile. So this returns to him and he is visiting his friends for this carnival situation. Who knows? Anyway, so there's this event now, a, a, he is there to see his friends, and so in that friend group that his friends have, a woman goes missing and leaves her baby, um, like, with her husband, and she just, she just disappears, and they don't know where she is, and so they can't find her. So the novel is actually set a year after Kim, the woman who disappeared. It's been a year since she's gone, and it really looks at this family's grief. So Kim and her um, ex-partner split and they have an older teenage daughter together. So Kim has remarried. So her baby is with her new husband. So it's really like this extended family 
of this group. And then you have like the ex-partner's brother is good friends with Aaron. And that's kind of how all of this evolved. So for me, this book was about relationships. And I tend to like that in mysteries. This was very much about Aaron, his life and what he was going to do. Because, you know, as Jane Harper has said in interviews, which I will link one in the show notes with an Australian podcast, since this is an Australian novel, is that this is the last book with Aaron, you know, as the main character. So she wanted to send him off into the sunset with a great last novel. And I think she really did that. I did not figure out who it was until fairly late in the book. So I feel like that's successful for me in my book, at least. Yeah, I remember when she first announced that this book was coming out and that this was going to be the end of the Aaron Fox series. And I was like, why? <laughs> in in that tone. I mean, considering I'm not a series reader, I've really loved all of Jane Harper's books. The only one I haven't read is The Survivors. It's her second most recent one before this, I think. But I've read I've read the other three, um, and I was really excited for this one. And considering how long running series can be, I it was just shocked that it was just basically just going to be a trilogy. Like I was really expecting, like maybe maybe not like you know maybe not a series the length of like you know Louise Penny or like Janet Ivanovich or something like that. But yeah, I I was thinking it was going to be more than three books, so I was I was quite surprised. Yeah, I I was interesting to hear her on that podcast talk about that she really wanted to avoid where the character's narrative thread is just too overextended. She wanted it to end it, you know, on a good note. And so I think that you know I think we can respect that. And I think as a mystery, like a creative, like I've heard a lot of people who have a lot of like extended mystery novels about the same character, they often feel like put in a box. And mm-hmm. I think when she's talked about her books, she, you know, she's already in the mystery box. So I think within that, she wanted to have more creativity. And with The Dry, which is not an Aaron Falk series, I think that's her best novel and she did a great job. So I'm really excited where she's going with her books. And yeah, and her audiobooks are always great too. So mm-hmm. I mean- I really like this one and it was so it was so moving. I didn't expect to be moved by this mystery the way I did, the way that the family relations are portrayed. I think oftentimes we imagine a family as just like the mom, the dad, and the kids, but when you have, you know, a divorce or a couple of divorces and then remarriages, so you have this very extended, you know, family, that's really more of what reality is a lot of times. So I really appreciate that representation. So that is Exiles by Jane Harper. Please go check it out. Yeah, that's my first pick. What's your first pick, Katie? Well, probably not surprising anyone. It's not summer without Riley Sager. So I have, <laughs> I had, I picked up uh, Riley Sager's most recent book, uh, The Only One Left. And this one, um, as I've mentioned so many times, I've read all of his books. And even though they are not, they are all standalone novels uh, thematically they work well as a series because each one takes on a particular horror or psychological suspense trope and then takes that trope and just turns it into like its own story like his first of the bunch was final girls which was published like six years ago and was amazing and he has taken on 
classic like haunted house stories like uh, the Amityville Horror. There was uh, one of the books that had a very Rosemary's Baby feel, like it's in an old like brownstone apartment in old New York City. And he does such a fantastic job of just capturing the mood of these different tropes or these different themes, common storylines, and just turning it into something, you know, just really entertaining. So like I said before, this is a gothic thriller, gothic horror novel that also is very strongly influenced by the real-life Lizzie Borden true crime event, the Borden murders. Except in this book, the uh, supposed killer's name is Lenora Hope. Um, And there's a little rhyme throughout the book at 17, Lenora Hope hung her sister with a rope like the Lizzie Borden rhyme. Um, So in 1929, Lenora Hope was found her her parents were both stabbed her sister hung herself and they believed that she that Lenora committed these murders and like the Lizzie Borden murders she was never uh found guilty there just wasn't enough evidence to say that she did it um so she was never she was never put in jail and she ended up living out the uh the rest of her years in the family estate which is called Hope's End which I'm like eh fitting and so that so that all happened um in 1929 and then the book the rest of the book takes place in 1983 and the main character is Kit McDear. She is a professional caretaker, um, and her assignment has been to care for Lenora, who in her old age is in a wheelchair. She is unable to speak. She is mostly paralyzed. Um, so she requires constant care around the clock. And then one one day shortly after Kit gets there, she realizes that Lenora can use a typewriter to communicate and she tells Kit, I want to tell you everything. And so Kit is helping Lenora, you know, use the typewriter to tell her story. And as, you know, as she tells her more and more, Kit realizes that there's, not surprisingly, something, there's a whole lot more going on here than she realized. So that is where I will stop the plot description. Now, I think uh, with with this book and with I think with the last couple of Riley Sager's books like they are over the top but in a really fun way like in a soap opera-ish kind of way where you're just like you know what just you just run with it because it's entertaining it's just uh it's just such every book of his is just a fast-paced thrill ride. Like, I read this book in two hours. Well, maybe not two hours. One sitting. I read it in one sitting. (laughs) May have been longer than two hours. But it was just so much fun. And with with his books, there are always twists. It's not like, oh, just one twist. Oh, no. There are so many twists. And just when you think you've got it figured out, oh, no, wait, something else happens. Um, so there were some parts of the story that I guessed at, or that I kind of figured out fairly early on, or at least I had a bunch of theories and a few of them were correct. Let's just put it that way. But there were also a couple, couple things towards the end. I was like, well, didn't see that one coming. Um, and I just, I really love his books. Even though I go in, it's like watching an M. Night Shyamalan movie. You know, you go in knowing there's going to be a twist, so you're like (laughs) waiting for it. But he, you just really enjoy it. Like, you know exactly what he's going to do, and you just love every second of it. Yeah, so I'm, I am, I'm, I'm pleased to say that I have not yet fallen 
terribly behind in keeping up with Riley Sager. I am up to date. I've read all of his books. I own all of them but one. I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'm on a roll here. But yeah, it was it was just a lot of fun. And I can't wait to see what his next uh, his next theme is going to be next summer. Because you know he's putting out another one. Yeah, that's true. It's true. So if you had to pick one to start with, which one would you choose? Final Girls. Okay. That one, when I picked up that book, I started reading it like I was supposed to be getting ready for bed for work in like 10, 15 minutes. Within two pages, I'm like, I've made an enormous mistake because (laughs) I just, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to put this book down. I mean, I ultimately did, but then I just read it in just a flurry of pages, like over the next day or so. And that, that book was, it was a thriller that you could almost like, as you were reading it, you felt like it should be like blowing your hair back. Everything is just moving so fast. It just nailed the, the atmosphere and the um because it's based on the final girl trope of of slasher movies it just f- captured the feel of an 80 of a classic 80 slasher movie in all the best ways it was just amazing and it's that's a book that i still am introducing people to at the library who have never read any of his books and i have turned so many people into fans of his and they're like oh my gosh it was great and i'm like and he's got like seven other books it's a fantastic <laughs> And the other, if you, uh, after Final Girls, probably my second favorite, I believe it is Home After Dark, um, which is the one that has a very Amityville horror feel to it. And that one, or Home Before Dark, I think is what it's called. And that one, I really enjoyed that one. I love haunted house stories. And that one had a couple of twists that totally I was not expecting, so... Yeah, if you haven't jumped on the Riley Sager train, come join us. It's fantastic. I might do that. I might do that. I just found some audiobooks on one of my apps and I might I might jump there next. Yes. My friend um was listening to Final Girls while she was training for a marathon. She was listening to this book while she was running at night. Okay. And I'm like, "What? I'm like, okay, that's a choice. I don't recommend that." Because the story is about a group of teenagers that were attacked in a cabin in the middle of the woods. And my friend was run. Her, she lives in a very small, wooded area of Connecticut. I'm like, why are you listening to this while you are running in the dark? Like, good grief. Maybe don't do that. But yes, highly entertaining. Um, and yes, so his latest one is The Only One Left by Riley Sager. All right. So my next pick is, I think everyone can guess this if they know me, that is The Mistress of Batia House by Sujata Massey, and this is The Return of Pervine Mystery. Now, I have adored Pervine Mystery since her first book. I eventually was able to interview her for Reading Women, and I just, oh, she's so wonderful. And one of the things I love about Pervine Mystery is that she is you know, she's the first solicitor. It's 1920s Bombay. She's the first female solicitor. She's not officially recognized by any bar because she's not allowed to practice law like in that way. But under the British system, you know, you have barristers and solicitors. Those are two different things. So she can do like the background, like contract work, but she can't appear in court. She can't be a barrister. It's complicated. Anyway, so she's there practicing law and all of the books center around an issue around women and their rights as women. And this book, the topic is 
really bodily autonomy and how young women are often forced into motherhood as children. You know, they're married off at 12. And so Perveen Mystery meets a woman doctor. And that really, I think, strikes the theme for this book. Um, Perveen's sister, her sister-in-law, I should say, um, has just had a baby and they all live in like this separated duplex. So they have some common areas, but they're like separate houses that are connected. I think maybe like a townhouse situation, maybe sort of like that. Anyway, so the mystery of this is actually where Praveen is going to give a donation to this hospital run by the lady doctor and supposed to focus on women's health. Well, during this like very high-end posh like charity event, a little boy starts screaming and it's actually the boy, uh, like, I think he's supposed to like inherit Batya house or something. And he is on fire. And so this servant, she's of a lower class, which she's Hindu. And she jumps on this boy, saves his life, but she experiences severe burning. And a few days later, Praveen sees the same servant woman, young woman, chained in this prison like setup at the courthouse. And she's like, what? Apparently, some random person decided to accuse her of committing um, an abortion, a self-imposed uh, abortion, and she's being taken to court for this. And that's really the start. It's like, why did this kid light on fire? Like, why did then she be accused of having inducing an abortion through this tea that she drank? And then the lady at the servant, older servant lady, she's not taken in because she gave her the tea. It's a whole like series of different laws around women's bodies. And I think I think it's obvious why this is the topic of Sujata Bathy's <laughs> next book. Yeah. I'm listening to this going, I'm like, oh my gosh, this this is feeling very uh very relevant. What's really interesting is that Massey goes and looks like what were the norms, and she actually goes and looks at court cases from the time. And so she has, like, oftentimes I can tell, like, you know, Stujata has done all of this study, and you can hear Praveen saying these words about how, like, it was weird that this servant girl was taken in when normally the person who's prosecuted is the one who, who gave her the tea or administered the abortion and usually the woman who experienced it has died. And so that's why this person's being persecuted, like prosecuted. There we go. Different words. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, so I think it's really fascinating. I love all of these details. I love how Massey has this ability to bring you in the story. I will say this is very much a Praveen and her family book. Then this is light on the mystery. I feel like the first book was very much about Praveen and light on the mystery, but the last two ones have been very mystery focused. I feel like she's returned to focusing on Praveen and Praveen's family and family life. And so it is a bit different, but I am still very much enjoying this book. I love the way that Massey creates her world and it's all engrossing. And I can't stop talking about her books. I always feel like that's a good sign, right? Yeah, and I feel like that's that's one of the requirements for being a co-host of Red or Dead is you have to be a huge <laughs> fan of the Perveen Mystery series because all every person who has co-hosted this show, even like Liberty as the guest host, like everyone loves these books. I love these books, and the only reason why I didn't choose this one is because <laughs> I haven't read the Bombay Prince yet. And I wanted to I wanted to read these in order. So I'm like, oh, if I pick this one, then I'm actually picking two books I have to read. And I just I, I don't know if I can get that done right away. 
But yeah, I just, oh, I love, I love these books so much. They're so thoughtful and so, so well written. And I just love Perveen Mystery's character. I've said it so many times. And yeah, I mean, even though they are set in uh, 1920s Bombay, it, they are very, very relevant, even in modern times, unfortunately. So, yeah. I found it really interesting that like her relationship to, to her niece, her brother's child, you know, she sees her every day, they share common space, and her room is right actually next to the nursery. So there's only like a wall in between them. And I found that really interesting because of Praveen's situation. And I'm not going to say what it is because that's a spoiler for the first book. But like, I felt as someone who will, as an adult woman who will never have biological children, like I really felt for her in that way of like, like, like feeling like, oh, I'm in my 20s or now, I guess now for me, I'm in the 30s. Her case was 20s. And I don't know how to work, like, care for a baby. Like, is there something wrong with me? I really appreciate that. That was very real to life. So yeah, I feel like her character is so well drawn. I'm going to quit gushing about it. But <laughs> please go check out The Mistress of Body House by Sujata Massey. It's also from an indie press. So yes. support indie presses. <laughs> All right. Before I jump into my second pick, let's go ahead and take a quick break for our second sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. All right, so my second pick is um, also continuing a series, although this is only the second book in the series, but this is Red London by Alma Katsu. And although Alma Katsu is very well known for her historical horror novels, which I have also talked about at length on this show, um, she has a 30, she has worked in national security and the um, and intelligence for over three decades. She has so much knowledge, um, and she wrote, she took that knowledge and turned that into the first book in the series, which was called Red Widow, and it came out um, like maybe 2021, maybe 2020, I can't remember exactly. But holy cow, I have, I've talked about this book before. I'm not usually one for espionage novels. They just, for whatever reason, don't grab my attention or my interest. It was so good. Even though I'm like, it, like politically, the stuff they were talking about was like so over my head. I was like, yeah, I can keep up with this. I'm following along here. And because of all of her 
experience working in intelligence agencies and national security, she brings all of that knowledge and all of those details to the story. And like, I feel like a lot of times we think of an espionage novel, and it's just like, you know, you think like, maybe not as action adventure as James Bond, but something that feels just you know, like you're jumping from from country to country, and you know you're you're chasing down these bad guys, and like you know, there's there's just all of all of this stuff happening, and her book felt so grounded in like not just like oh we have to you know the bad guys you know we have to we have to <laughs> collect this information, but it's on like how the agents how the agencies operate and how they actually you know, how they actually function. And it felt so realistic. And then at the heart of the story, there's also this dynamic between two female characters, which is, which was really well done. Well, she brings all of that stuff and uses it for Red London as well. And um, I listened to the first one on audio. I'm listening to the second one on audio as well. And they're such, they're just really fantastic listens. Um, so with Red London, we're back with Lindsay Duncan, who is basically picking up where she left off in book one. Um, she has been given a new assignment in London, um, which is supposed to be keeping tabs on her new uh, Russian asset, who that's details from the first book. So this is definitely one you want to read the first book first. Um, but then she is also, uh, while she's in London, there is an attack on a very powerful Russian oligarch's property on what they call Billionaire's Row. It's very unusual, and MI6 and the CIA ask her to get close to his wife, who is about Lindsay's age. Um, She's British, and they're like, we think that she may be helpful to us in trying to dig up information on her husband. Like, why did this attack happen? Is he involved with, you know, what what types of deals is he involved with? That That kind of thing. So Lindsay has to basically go undercover and create a friendship with this woman and try to gain her trust to see, you know, can we get this woman to turn on her husband and provide us with information? Um, So again, you have this dynamic between these two female characters is at the heart of the story. And then surrounding it, you have all of this international espionage. And there's all of this stuff about Russian politics. And like, like I said, I am not politically savvy enough to follow this stuff in real life. But she does such a good job of incorporating all of this into the narrative in a way that it doesn't feel like she's just dumping a bunch of information on you. It just gets integrated so seamlessly into the story. You're just you're just along for the ride and listening and just being like, oh my gosh, what is going on? So yeah, I mean, I think one of the highest marks of praise I can give a book is that, okay, they took a, a subgenre or a topic that I'm not usually interested in and made me so interested in it that I am continuing to read the series. And considering I don't usually read series, that is also something that is, that is also a mark of honor. But yeah, it's just, they're so good. They're so good. Easily, I would, if someone says they don't like espionage novels, typically, I would happily give them one of her books and be like, read this, you will like this. I mean, I you can't get a better recommendation than that. Yeah. And oh, it's so good. It's so good. And um, <laughs> like you, I haven't finished listening to the audio just yet, but it is 
one I will happily finish up on my commute to work this week and you know if I after I come back from work and find a couple activities that will that that are conducive to listening to audiobooks for that too so <laughs> yeah such a great pick so again that is uh Red London by Almakatsu which is the second in the Red Widow series and those are our four picks and like I said before, there are so many books that we, <laughs> that yes. we could have chosen that have been published this year that we haven't gotten to yet. So there's always more. You know, stay tuned. Next couple of weeks, we'll have another few picks and they will probably be also wonderful. So it's a reason to return. Yes. Well, I was going to say more new picks. I mean, these books are going to be coming out this week or next week, but I know you are very, <laughs> you are very excited about your pick. <laughs> So I will I will turn the microphone over to you. <laughs> okay, so I found this. <laughs> sorry, I found this book and was so delighted. I had I had talk about it. So this is called Bored to Death by C.J. Connor, and that is B O A R D, like board, like a wooden board. But in fact, this is a game board. Yes, stay tuned, friends. This is a new cozy, a queer cozy mystery series starring. Ben Rosencrantz. Um, he is a queer 30-something English professor and closet sci-fi fan. And he is returning to his hometown of Salt Lake City, bless. Uh, and he is, uh, you know, he is taking over his family's board game shop in this trendy Sugar House neighborhood. So he is taking care of his ill father and taking care of the shop. He's barely making enough to, you know, cover everything when this guy shows up named Clive and offers to purchase a very rare board game that Ben has. And um, he return, you know, he rejects the offer, but Clive ends up dead. And so now, of course, Clive is the number one suspect and he must figure out how to prove his innocence. And in the description, it says, he'll go to jail for murder. And no amount of double dice rolls will set him free. <laughs> it is amazing. Like this is this is the book I never knew I needed in my life. Apparently, there is also a florist named Ezra, flower shop owner, who is flirting with Ben. And I'm here for a romance. And poor Ben has just had a divorce. Like the poor guy. So I keep thinking about the was the cones of Dunshire from Parks and Rec. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yes. I, I don't remember if that's the exact title, but I know exactly what you're talking about. So, like, my my funny thing is, like, when I married my spouse, his family is very into board games, right? Like, that's what they did. They didn't do TV or screens. They did board games. So I, unbeknownst to me, married a board game collection as well as a spouse. And so I had, to, I mean, you know, you get into things that your spouse loves. And I ended up really loving board games. I grew up playing dominoes, <laughs> you know, so not too much of a stretch to play board games. So that was really fun. So when I saw this, I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't come from quite as much of a hardcore board game family, but we did enjoy and still do enjoy a good board game. Also, because you mentioned board games and marriage in the same sentence, I am <laughs> legally bound to make a plug for the movie Ready or Not. It is a horror movie. It is very bloody. 
but it is also hysterical and one of the best horror movies I have seen in a very long time. But it is about a woman who marries into a very rich family that is that they're the uh, great grandfather created like a board game dynasty. And at midnight after someone in the family gets married, they all have to the the, the um, non family person who is married in has to draw a card. That's the game they play. And if you draw the hide or seek card, that means that the that everyone is trying to uh, sacrifice the other person as part of the game. I think I might go watch that after this because I've been on a horror movie kick. Oh my gosh! Like I cannot like if you like horror and are not are okay with uh, a pretty good amount of blood and gore, but done in a really fantastic way, you will not find a more gleefully delightful horror movie than Ready or Not. Anyway, okay, I am off that kick now. (laughs) I have done my legal duty. Okay, so my pick is not board game related. Um, My pick is I'm Not Done With You Yet by Jesse Q. Sutanto. And Jesse Q. Sutanto is uh, most uh, well known right now for her uh, Dial A for for Aunties series. Series. I know everyone says Aunties, but I'm from the Midwest. I have to say Aunties. <laughs> but this is a psychological suspense novel, um, which I am really, uh, which I'm really excited about. So Jane is the main character. Jane is unhappy. Um, she's a struggling writer. She feels trapped in her marriage. She's basically just scraping by to pay for a house and a life that she never really wanted. She's only really, there's only been one person that's ever really cared about Jane, and that was her best friend, Talia. They studied creative writing at Oxford uh, almost a decade ago, and they, this was, um, I guess the this program went for like a year, and she was just like, this was, you know, this was the best time of her life, but there was one night that ruined everything, a blood-soaked night. Oh, hey, there is a tie-in for what I was just talking about. <laughs> and this should have, you know, kept the two of them together as friends forever, but instead made Jane lose Talia completely. Talia disappeared. Jane has been a- unable to find her until now, because Talia has just written a New York Times bestseller called A Most Pleasant Death. And uh, when Jane discovers uh, a post that Talia makes on her website about, hey, I'm going to be at this book convention in New York City. She's like, can't wait to see you there. Jane is like, oh, yes, I will be there. And she will go to New York City, credit card bill be damned. And this time she will do things right. Jane won't lose Talia again. Oh, oh, it sounds so great. I love, I love an obsessive best friend's story. It just, it feels like, it feels like this has the potential to be just slightly over the top. And I think that's kind of what I'm here for right now. Just a little bit, a little bit extra. I feel like being a little bit extra here. Don't we all sometimes? We do. I think we just need to embrace it. I think so. I agree. Yeah. So that is I'm Not Done With You Yet by Jesse Q. Sutanto. Well, friends, that is our show. Can you believe we made it? We made it. I'm so excited. <laughs> so thanks so much to everyone for listening. And of course, many thanks to our wonderful sound editor, Jen Zink, who always makes us sound great. For the show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Or you can just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. 
If you want to send us feedback or an email with show suggestions, you can email us at writerdead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me, Kendra, on Twitter and Instagram at KD, as in Dylan Winchester. And you can find Katie on Twitter at KT, as in, I don't know, Tin Man. We should come up with something for that. I mean, it's basically Katie just shortened to two letters. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, we have KD Winchester and KT underscore library lady. To avoid all the confusion, they are linked in the show notes. Um, and we will talk to you all next time. Bye.